the Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. All right, well, we're going to jump into this. This is part three of spiritual warfare. Um, The last couple of weeks, we've kind of laid the groundwork. We talked week one about our enemy. Then at the simplest level, our enemy is real. His purpose is destruction. He wants to bring chaos and destruction into our lives. He wants to destroy just us personally and, and who God's created us to be. He wants to keep us disconnected from the God who loves us. And he wants to bring chaos into our, into our world, into our relationships, our marriages, our friendships, our family, our coworkers. He wants to destroy and his primary means to do that is through lies and deceit. And he's actually thrilled if we don't even recognize he's working because the real way he wants to lie to us is to get us to buy into these lies and own them ourselves. And whether it's subtly over time or big moments where we make crucial life-changing decisions, when we grab a hold of things that are destructive and we see them begin to be at work in our lives, man, it rips us off. And so we have an enemy who wants to destroy and his primary means are lies and deceit. Then the good news we talked about last Sunday is our savior, Jesus. He is our ultimate victory. Like from today forward, we're gonna be talking about our role in spiritual warfare, but it's rooted in Christ. We, we aren't gonna rescue ourselves. He is our savior. He is our rescue. And his life on this earth, he lived this out. Like he walked in victory spiritually. He started his ministry with 40 days in the desert. The enemies hounded him and he stood strong. He was praying, he was fasting and he held on to the truth of the word and resisted the enemy. And then he went forward and he brought that same sort of of power into the lives of others. He healed people, he rescued people. And so Jesus lived this and he taught this. And then ultimately his death and resurrection is is where our ultimate victory lies. The enemy has been defeated. Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And so our victory is in him. And so as we move forward, that's, that's, everything is based upon that foundation of Jesus. And so when we begin to talk about tools that are at our disposal for us to grow in this area, I just, I want y'all to know we have a role in this. Absolutely. We have a part to play. We don't just sit there and go, Jesus, fix me. Like we participate, but we can't ever fall into the trap of thinking I've got to do this myself. I'm on my own out here struggling through. No, God loves us. He's for us. Spiritual warfare is about God rescuing people that he cares about. And he wants us to participate in that. And so we're going to talk about our role in spiritual warfare this morning. And so I want to encourage you to, to do a couple things as we're sitting with this this morning. Um, Because I believe there's something here for all of us to grab hold of. First of all, primarily, I want you to be open to the possibility that God wants to do something in your heart and life. That that he wants to highlight maybe a potential area in your life where you are struggling. And that there's hope for that. 
Like our, our starting point in spiritual warfare is like right here. God, what is going on in my heart, in my mind? Where do you wanna bring freedom in my life? And then from there, be open to where he might want you to participate in helping other people. Maybe there's something going on in your home. Maybe someone you know and love that's around you is going through a real battle, a real struggle. God wants us to be equipped to cooperate with him in bringing hope to people in need. So be open to what he might wanna do in your heart, but also be open to how he might wanna just equip you this morning to be a blessing in the lives of other people. So let's pray one more time and we're gonna just invite him to do those two things. That he would be our guide, that he would highlight things in us that we need to see and that he would also equip us to partner with him to bring hope to others. So Jesus, we just come before you one more time. God, thank you for everything that we have sung about you this morning. True things based on your word, teaching us who you are and what you do. God, thank you for victory, for healing, for freedom. God, thank you that you give us a testimony. Lord, even if we're still in process with that testimony, we're, we're still hoping to see some victory in an area. God, we thank you in advance that you are working in us and that Jesus, in you, our victory is sure. And so this morning, God, through your word, would you just speak to our hearts, Lord, if there's something that you want us to see, some area that you wanna bring help, healing, victory. God, if you need to open our eyes to see something that we've been blind to, would you do that? Thank you that you always do that in love, that you convict in order to help us and to bring us to wholeness and healing. God, if there's areas this morning, you just wanna equip us as your church to love others well. God, to partner with you, to see the enemy defeated in our homes, in our relationships in this city. God, would you equip us to partner with you in this? We need your guidance today. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, we ready? Ready to jump in? Yeah, y'all are quiet this morning, but I'm just gonna trust that you are quietly present and you're with me. Yeah, okay, all right. Man, I'm just convinced we are ready for spiritual warfare today. All right, well, number one, our battleground, our battleground. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm gonna read verses three through five and then we're just gonna kind of take each one piece by piece here and work through it a little bit. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. For though we walk in the flesh, even though this is what I see and experience, this body and others around me, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power. Divine power. There's a reason we focused on Jesus last Sunday. It's his divine power that does what? To destroy strongholds. Verse five, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And so we take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's the battleground. That's, that's the territory on which we walk. So first of all, verse three again, 
For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. Listen, we are dealing with flesh. Like there is an element where that's a very real thing. I'm dealing with my own human frailty, my own, you know, inherent weaknesses and struggles. And I'm bumping up against other people and their frailty and their struggles. So there is a sense where we're dealing with one another and that, so, so the, the battleground is about people on one level. Like that's true. My own struggles, the struggles of others. As we said last week, God cares about people. So he wants to bring victory and freedom into, into individual people's lives. And he wants to bring that freedom through us. Like we are going through something together. None of us lives in a vacuum, sins in a vacuum, struggles in a vacuum. These things affect one another. So on one level, we are walking this out in just practical everyday life with each other. But the way we fight the battle is not according to the flesh. Now this might feel obvious, but friends, we get distracted fighting with people all the time. If there's turmoil in my marriage, I'm usually battling with my spouse. I just, I can fall into that. Maybe at at some moment, you know, a little bit of pride crumbles and a little bit of light shines through and I can sort of acknowledge some of this might be me, you know, like 3%. But like we, we battle with each other. And listen, it goes beyond just our interpersonal relationships. When, when we look at what's happening around us in the world, we can look at, struggles and problems within the church, like maybe the one we're a part of, or maybe just kind of capital C church, we look around and go, look at all the problems. Or we, or we look in the world around us, we see, you know, just the political struggle, frustration, upheaval, and it's just so easy to identify individual people as enemies. That doesn't mean that there isn't a struggle with people, but God wants us to see that it's what's behind that. It's what's behind. It is such a distraction to get lost trying to face these problems through human means, through my brilliant ideas, through my taking a strong stand and fighting against this person. Like we're missing it. Even even the most difficult person that we might be facing, God loves them like crazy and wants to rescue them. He's also, he also cares about the fact that they're harming other people. Like God does get upset about that. But the, the solution is for people to be rescued from broken ways of thinking and living. The real fight's on a different level. We see a picture of this in a couple of other passages. Um, Colossians 2, 8 says this. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition. Like the way that we view the world, the ideas that we base our lives upon there are ideas out there everywhere that, that rip us off and destroy us. The ones that we, we naturally stand against, we can spot really well. Like the things in the culture that I'm aware of, man, that thing is a lie and it's destroying people in that way and it's harming us. Like I can see it, I can spot it. 
And those are real dangers, the ones that we can see externally. And Jesus wants to address them. We also have to be willing to recognize, Lord, are there ones I'm agreeing with that I'm missing? If our enemy operates based on lies and deceit, I should at least be open to the possibility that there's stuff I might be missing too, that his church might be missing too. And so what are the philosophies, what are the ideas that sit behind the actions and the behaviors that are so destructive? Well, what sits behind them is this, the second part of that verse, right? He lists philosophy, empty deceit, human tradition. And then he says, ultimately, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. There are ideas that are then giving birth to behaviors that are destructive and our enemy sits behind them. This is what Paul's talking about in Ephesians 6. We'll, we'll spend a little more time here towards the end, but Ephesians 6, the, a little bit of verse 11 and into verse 12 just makes it really clear. We're to stand against the schemes of the devil, his ideas, his strategies. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Friends, we've got to understand that the real battleground is that we are fighting against ideas, concepts, and philosophies which at their source are devilish and destructive. I've got to understand that's the real battleground. It's, it's okay for me to recognize and acknowledge like this is playing out in this person's life in a destructive way or be open to God, this is playing out in my life in a destructive way. But to take a step back and go, if we're gonna see victory, I've got to understand what's really going on behind that and ask the Lord, Lord, would you expose where the real battleground is so I know where to fight? And so if we spend all our struggle in, you know, a bunch of Facebook arguments with each other, I mean, we see so much spiritual freedom that comes from those too, right? I mean, they're just profound in how impactful they are. Where's the real battle? If I'm arguing with someone that doesn't even know the Lord, guess what the scripture tells me? The God of this age has blinded them to the truth. They don't need my brilliantly worded argument. They need supernatural revelation to set them free. They need Jesus to reveal this is the issue. Paul could win any argument. It took Jesus on the road to Damascus stopping him in his tracks and saying, hey buddy, you're fighting against me. And then his eyes were opened. It's interesting in that story that he gets blinded at first. He can't see, he has to be led humbly to someone that then brings insight and points to Jesus. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And we've got to understand that, that the enemy does a brilliant job of these ideas taking root, taking hold. I referenced this a couple weeks ago, but like one of the main ones in our culture is that all of my desires should be met. That it's, it's, that's what freedom is. That's what liberty is, that my desires should be met. And there's such a terrible lie at the root of that that rips us off. Even when my desires are met, 
I can't get no satisfaction. We know and love those songs because they're true. <laughs> See, it, it plays out in really obvious, destructive ways, but guys, it trickles, it trickles in just in the things we aim for. Like, what am I relying upon? Well, now I'm getting ahead of myself. That gets us into verse four. 2 Corinthians 10, verse four now. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. The issue is strongholds. The definition of this word strongholds, it means, it means a castle, um, a fortress, a fastness, right? So it's, it's a big structure that is powerful and strong, but it also means, listen to this, it also means anything upon which one relies, a stronghold is something I rely upon. You have a stronghold of addiction in your life? It's, it's become this thing that I, I rely upon, I have to have. Maybe even my physical body like craves it so much, I'm not even sure how to break free of this because it's learned to rely upon this thing. Is this making sense? A stronghold, what do we rely upon? Believers, this is why we've got to realize it's possible for me to have these. Like I rely upon Jesus, but I also need X, Y, and Z to be in place or I'm in trouble. One of the things I know about myself and, and like I, I'm already praying into my future because I don't know how to be sick. I don't know how to be ill. Like if I have like a tweaked knee, I'm just like a mess. If I get the flu for a couple of days, I'm like the biggest baby. And I've, but I've, I'm saying that kind of funny and laughing, but I've literally thought, Lord, if you gave me cancer, could I handle it? Like I, I look at people that walk with such grace through a, through a difficult thing, I go, Lord, I don't think I could do that. I think I'd just be in the corner, you know, curled up, sucking my thumb, just moaning. Like I rely upon good health. Now, I'm by no means asking for some major health issue in my life. I'm just saying I'm aware how much my mood, my attitude is affected just by something like a physical ailment. Just one example. Like, what do we rely upon? To give us a sense of this, I would encourage you, a great way to answer the question, what do I rely upon? Read through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, you know, uses that sermon to kind of communicate his heart and what he's after, but he highlights all kinds of things as human beings that we rely upon. Read through that and just invite the Holy Spirit to put his finger on something. And when you read through that and you get to a certain part and you go, ooh, that's it. He gives us a sense of where our struggle might be. I'll give you, give you just a taste of this. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What I treasure, what I pursue, what I rely upon. Where is that? Jesus says, make that me, my kingdom, heaven, eternity. 
Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Some passages say God and money. But the reason the word mammon is used is it's like, it's the spirit that kind of sits behind money. It's not just I'm serving money. It's like the drive or the need to rely upon that. Friends, I hate to tell you this. There's no neutral ground. That's what Jesus is saying. There's no neutral ground. In my life, there's either his territory or territory that I have yet to relinquish to him. There's no neutral ground. There's a battle going on. Is he king? Is he in charge? What stronghold might I be relying upon? What are the battleground issues in my life? Where instead can I rely upon Christ? That's the question. See, the beauty is if I allow him to reveal where that spot is, where that stronghold is, where am I relying upon something other than him, then I have an action step because there's divine power to defeat strongholds. And so he can take over that territory. So when I see that in my own life, I begin to pray that way and yield to him in that way. And when I see it operating in the world around me, I can pray that way. Lord, look at this thing that we're relying upon. Look at this thing that we're looking to. God, would you take that ground? Would you take that territory? Would that move into your realm? So how can we participate with this? Verse five, if we recognize the battleground, then we can move into this area. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. That word argument, we take every argument. It actually, it really more means logic. It's not like I'm having an argument with somebody. It's the justification behind my action. Here's what it means right here. It's the reasoning, the calculation, or the logic that precedes and determines conduct. I'm gonna read that again. It's the reasoning, calculation, or logic that precedes and determines conduct. There is something that sits behind my action that that fuels it. And so what we do is Jesus wants to destroy arguments. He wants to destroy the logic that sits behind those behaviors that follow. So I'm, I'm struggling in this area and I have this repeated behavior in this area and I, I find myself just repeating this over and over and over again. Lord, you wanna get at not just the action out here, God, you wanna get at the source back here that leads me to that. What is the thing, what is the thing I'm, I'm agreeing with, I'm, the pattern I'm falling into that sits behind that, that its logical conclusion is this activity out here. God, what's there? He wants to destroy that argument. He wants to expose it and defeat it. The next one, look at this. Every lofty opinion, that that word lofty opinion, those two words, they're one word together in the Greek. It means high thing. 
something really high, something really tall. It's something that's been elevated to a high place. Figuratively, it's used in the scripture to be a proud adversary or a lofty tower or fortress that has been built. Think Goliath. This huge, high, lofty, intimidating thing. It's anything that's been raised up. That word raised, it also means something similar. It means elevated. In fact, the main idea behind it is to hoist something up like hoisting a sail is how it's used. So every high, powerful, overwhelming thing that has been raised up, it's been given that place that now looks just so huge and intimidating. Like scary looking. How do I, how do I face that? How do I defeat that? Look how, how high and powerful and intimidating it is. Like Goliath is a great example because everyone was terrified of him. And David wasn't bigger than Goliath. He just looked at him and realized, there's Jesus. There's God. And this Goliath is nothing in the face of my God. Something towering, intimidating. Well, how do we, how do we topple a stronghold? Like, okay, this is great, Paul. Like you're telling me, you know, these arguments can be destroyed and these huge high like ramparts that the enemy has raised up and maybe I've cooperated with and given them an elevated place in my life. Like, what do I do about this now? Like, I'm just staring at this thing and it's huge. What's the solution? I want you to see how we topple a stronghold. Paul gives us insight into this in the book of Ephesians. Before we even get to chapter six, where he talks about the armor and standing against the enemy, he lets the church in Ephesus know, I'm praying something for you. And in Ephesians three, picking up verse 16, this is his prayer. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Is the battle won because of my own strength? My own brilliance? Hey, I figured out what the argument was that was sitting behind all this. No, it's spiritual warfare. It's his spirit in me. Paul's prayer is that I'd be strengthened by his power. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, Listen to this, guys. This is, this is huge. I'm gonna explain this in a second, but let this take in. Being rooted and grounded. Like I can hold firm. I can stand firm. I'm rooted and grounded in love that I may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Now look at the, these words, these descriptive words. The breadth, the length, the height. Same word. A high thing the height and depth. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses not, passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Being rooted and grounded in Christ gives us both height and depth. As huge and intimidating as a stronghold might look, 
they are actually primed for a fall. It can have this huge intimidating height that looks incredible, but there's no depth because it's rooted in lies and deceit of the enemy. There is no depth. There's no true substance to it. It doesn't have a leg to stand on. And so Christ gives us height and depth so that I won't be shaken and I will not fall. But all of that comes out of Paul saying, I'm praying that you would be strengthened in this. He's saying, I want you to know something. See, it's not just enough for me to go, well, I'm aware that Christ can save me. Paul's like, no, I want this to be real in your life that more and more your thoughts, your understanding that that you are being taken over by the reality of Christ. How much there is to him and his great love for you and what it means in your life that these things that seem to be just eating your lunch, ripping you off in your relationships, these things that seem to be so intimidating in the culture around us, that the reality is in Jesus, we have more than enough. Look at, look at the whole realm of like, there's breadth, there's length, there's height. There, it's just like he can spread out and take over. See, the reality is the way that we topple a stronghold, I don't try to knock that over. I just find a new stronghold. Did y'all know that the other place in scripture that talks about strongholds references God being our stronghold? Check this out, just a few of them. Psalm 18, verse two. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. The one I rely upon. My shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 37, 39 and 40. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. Do I feel like this stronghold in front of me that just, I I can't see this thing fall or this stronghold I'm watching over here ripping off someone I care about in love and it just, it seems so huge and overwhelming and to me, I don't even know where to start. I don't need to go try to push that thing over. I run to My refuge, my source, I run to Christ. He is my ultimate stronghold. And because his roots go deep, as I seek him for help, he takes over. Breadth, length, depth, height. That stronghold just kind of (laughs) gets bumped over as as his walls push out further and further and takes more and more territory in my life and in the world around me. That's what thy kingdom come, thy will be done looks like. People willing to cooperate with his will being done in the earth. And so what happens? His kingdom expands and the enemy can't help but fall. Are we getting this? Last last Psalm, I want you to see this. Psalm 144, verses one and two. Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. 
He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. What I love about that passage is David adds in me learning to participate in the fight. God will train my hands for battle. He's the victorious one. He's the stronghold that I run to in time of trouble, but he wants to give me strength I didn't know I had. Part of why we go through spiritual warfare is to grow us, to help us experience what Paul's prayer was, that I would be rooted and grounded in Christ, that I would grow in the knowledge of him. I participate with this and that's how it spreads in my life. That's how I grow in this area. And so when we read about our weapons, like we're gonna look at that now, when we read about our weapons, this isn't just a list to go, truth, check, breastplate, on, belt, on, helmet, on, got it, I know those words. Lord, teach me how to use those things. Teach me how to, to, to become familiar with these weapons so that I can fight with them. So let's go to Ephesians 6 here as we move towards wrapping this up. Ephesians 6, I'm gonna read 10 and 11 and then skip down to verse 14. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Do you see how that connects to everything we've been saying? He's training me, but it's his strength, it's his might. I'm learning to cooperate with him. I'm learning to use the resources he's given me. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. How can I stand? Because if my roots are going deep, I'm gonna be all right. I can take a stand. Stand therefore by having fastened on the belt of truth. It's his truth that defeats and combats the lie. A belt does a lot of things. One of the primary things, it just kind of holds everything together. It's like an anchor point. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Listen, you're facing a stronghold that involves you failing and falling short a lot. Guess what the first thing the enemy wants to do? Shame you. Well, my, my freedom in Christ, the salvation I have was never rooted in my goodness or ability to do this. The righteousness I have is his. He shares his righteousness with me. He lets me put on his righteousness. A breastplate protects all of these very vital organs to life. Without him, I'm in trouble. I'm wide open to attack but it's his righteousness, not mine, that's gonna see me through. And so God, I put on your righteousness that you have fought hard for me. And as shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Man, the way I, I get up, I take my stand, I take steps forward into new territory. It's, it's because of his good news and it brings peace. Like when that stronghold gets knocked over and I've stepped into new territory, now Jesus is in charge there. And so his peace is in charge there. He's a good king. And in his realm, there's peace. There's chaos out there, but there's peace right here. 
God, this ground that I'm on, it belongs to you. And God, I'm hoping to take that ground right there. And so thank you for your good news that's gonna bring peace. And as I begin to move forward, God, would you help me see new ground be taken? In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Our protection point is our reliance upon him. I'm I'm trusting him that he's got this with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Listen, there's a lot that comes from our salvation, but one of the primary things is I'm a new person now. I have a new identity in Christ. And one of the primary ways the enemy wants to lie to us when we're, when we're battling with strongholds is he wants to tell us we're something we're not. He wants to convince us we're still that old man. And so it's the helmet of salvation that protects the way I think and view myself. I'm his, I'm his son, I'm his daughter. Guards my thinking that way. And then what's our primary weapon? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Friends, it's not just to know, like, babe, can I see your Bible for a second? I don't have mine up here. It's not just enough to know, like, hey, I, like, I agree with this book. There's some foundational theological things in there that I've decided in my head I agree with those and believe in them. This is, this is a weapon. This is truth. And Jesus wants us to become so familiar with it that that truth comes into action and I can cut through the lies, the chains, the garbage and go, no, this is the truth. I don't have to be brilliant enough to see through everything. God's got it. It's his word that I rely upon. Do I know it? Is it in me? Can I draw upon it in a moment of need? Do I have those Psalms memorized so I can be reminded where to run when I need to? Because when the enemy's telling me you're alone, you're abandoned, God's frustrated with you, and gosh, he's gotta be so annoyed you're still battling with that, and I can go, no, the truth is I should be running to him right now instead of being trapped and thinking I've let him down and he must be disgusted with me. No, he's not. He loves you. He's for you, he's in you, and he wants us to run to him for rescue. Our weapons, know, we need to know this stuff. We need to be familiar with this stuff. We need to be acquainted with it so we know how to fight. The enemy's saying this, that's not the truth. Here's the truth. There's turmoil swirling around me and I feel overwhelmed by it. Okay, but the truth is I'm rooted and grounded in Christ. And so this ground on which I stand, there's peace because the Prince of Peace is with me and for me and he'll see me through this. Paul kind of wraps up this thought by saying something essential. Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. What's he saying? Pray, 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 pray. Prayer. Praying always. You want to learn how to rely upon these weapons? Talk to God about them. Lord, this, 
I can't shake this. I'm struggling with this. God, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by anxiety right now. And I know the truth is you wanna set me free from that, but God, it's real. It's a battle I've gotten. So Lord, I'm crying out to you. Would you help me have your peace? Invite some other saints in with you because the passage is about praying for each other. And so we link arms and battle together and we pray based upon the truth of God's word and what he has for us. Listen, I, it's always difficult. Like there's, there's realms in our faith where when we start talking about what we bring to the table, we can fall into broken patterns of thinking. We're like, it relies upon me. Like I've got to earn something to get God's favor or I didn't pray hard enough or my faith wasn't strong enough and that's why he didn't answer this prayer. And like that can be such a trap to rip us off. That said, the reality is God wants us to cooperate with him in what he's doing. He wants us to be in his word. He wants us to pray for one another. He wants us to find strength we didn't know we had and it's rooted in him. And so the reality is we gotta get in the game and participate. We gotta realize that there is this ground that's being fought for and engage in it. Listen, Jesus, we talked about this in, in life group this week. Jesus even said like, there's enemies you're gonna face and it's gonna take another layer of something that maybe you haven't experienced yet. I wanna give you a glimpse of this as we kind of wrap things up. In Matthew 17, Jesus delivers a father's tormented son who's struggling with demonic possession in his life. And Jesus' disciples had already tried to deal with the problem. Now, I want you to see something. This isn't weak and effectual disciples who've never had victory in this area. This is Matthew 17. In Matthew 10, he'd already sent them out two by two and they had gone to different towns and God had worked healing through them and had brought demonic delivery through them. So they have already taken territory for other people. Like they'd watched miraculous things happen and yet they came up against something that they couldn't deal with. And they go, Jesus, what? we've seen this work before and it didn't work right now. What's going on? How did you do that? And we didn't. And so we're picking it up here in Matthew 17, 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Is fasting this magical fix-all? No, you know what fasting is? It's letting go of something else over here that I rely upon a lot to remind me of who I really rely upon. It's not some like secret tool that gives, it just, it teaches me to be rooted and grounded in Christ. It conditions me to say, Lord, I'm relying upon you. It strengthens faith and trust because I'm going, God, I'm hungry. <laughs> but I want you more than I want that cheeseburger. It builds and establishes trust, prayer, fasting, rooted in the word of God. It grows and expands the territory that he has in my heart and life. And it enables me when I go out to a world filled with high things 
when I go out into that world, wherever my feet go, I'm carrying the good news of Christ with me. And his kingdom territory can begin to push some of those things over. Friends, I'm concerned about what I see in the church. I'm concerned about what I see in the culture around me. And I, I would love for man to cooperate through laws that we pass and elected leaders and all that to make a difference. But guys, I'm just telling you, the way things change is Jesus Christ changing lives. It is, it is God coming and spiritually renewing us one by one. And his people learning to link arms together and say, hey, right here, we're not gonna let the enemy have territory right here. And so in our home, in our life group, in this church community, this is his territory. And the enemy wants to come in and disrupt that with division or fights or arguments or, or man, things that aren't true that are being spoke. Like we guard against that by saying, Jesus, you rule and reign here. And as individuals and groups of people run to him and let him be the stronghold, the enemy's defeated. Territory is taken. That's spiritual warfare. It playing out in our lives, going to the source, Jesus, to defeat the enemy's source, the arguments and philosophies and deceit, and watching victory come. Amen? Is this overwhelming? I hope it's not discouraging. He's victorious. He loves us. And he wants us to cooperate with him that we might experience freedom in our lives and in our homes and that we can participate with him in taking territory out in the world. He wants to expand his kingdom so that people's lives can be changed. I wanna participate in that. I want that more and more in my own heart and mind. I want it more and more in in our home. I wanna see that happen here in our church body. Knoxville needs this. Knoxville needs this. And step by step, as we watch the Prince of Peace come and rule and reign, strongholds fall. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you that you love us enough to speak true things to us. God, thank you that you love us enough to act on our behalf. God, thank you that you are the true stronghold. You are the one that we can run to, to be rescued and saved. Lord, I I pray that you would reveal areas in our lives personally or that are affecting relationships around us. God, where the enemy is at work and he's gotten a foothold and there's, there's a stronghold established there. And God, would you tear down those arguments? Would you tear down those lofty places that have been lifted up? Thank you, Jesus, that there is a depth in you that is in no other because you are the way, the truth, and the life. God, may we find ourselves standing upon the firm rock of your foundation. Lord, would you, like David, we pray, would you teach our hands for war? God, may we become more and more familiar with your word. Would we soak in these Psalms? Would we soak in Ephesians 6, like really understanding how truth and righteousness, how the gospel of your peace, how faith 
can grow in our lives. Lord, invite us into places we haven't been yet. Lord, invite us into places of prayer that we haven't been. Lord, invite us into fasting. Lord, areas where we can learn to rely more and more upon you, giving you full access and full authority in our own lives, and then watching how you'll work in and through us to a world around us that is in need. We need you. We're relying upon you. God, we choose to run to you, our ultimate stronghold. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.